welcome to the third episode of the Pod and Click podcast. I'm Will here of John Elizabeth, and thank you for joining us for a double celebration episode. It's May the 4th, the day we're releasing this, so it's a LucasArts game, and it's Cinco de Cuatro. Wow. Also, tomorrow's Cinco de Mayo, for those who don't haven't seen Arrested Development and don't get the joke. <laughs> or people who do not think the Netflix seasons are canon. So, mm. I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> All right. So today we are talking about uh, one of the last big LucasArts games to be released, Grim Fandango. So we're going to start I would off... assume you mean big point and click yes. LucasArts adventure game. People are going to be like, Battlefront! Right. One of the last big point and click LucasArts adventure games that was both an original concept and I think generally well remembered by the people who played it. Yeah. Mm. All right, so Grim Fandango was a development project from Tim Schafer, who co-designed Day of the Tentacle and created Full Throttle. He came to LucasArts with Full Throttle and a day of an untitled Day of the Dead game at the same time, and LucasArts chose Full Throttle, which makes sense. That's a much easier concept to sell. Mm-hmm. Yes. And after Full Throttle was a hit, they offered to let him make his weird Day of the Dead game. Weird in the sense that it was kind of a high-concept idea. Yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> And because Full Throttle's biggest complaint was it was too short, he had to make like a really big, sprawling story to fit in more puzzles, in some cases to the game's detriment, but we'll definitely get to that. <clears throat> and accor- according to Tim Schafer, this game had about a $3 million budget. Uh, it was the first LucasArts game not to use the Scum engine, uh, which if you heard our episode about Putt-Putt, you know what that is. Instead, using the Sith engine, which was used for uh, Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2. Really? Yes. Not not a point and click game. Why? Well, okay, they took it and modified it into the Grim engine. Okay. Ah. Uh, so I could see graphically, because like graphically, I actually can kind of see. I was like gameplay wise. I mean, right. I guess engines can play multiple right. different genres. But. I, I was gonna say this is an engine take, not reskinning Jedi Dark Forces two. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyway, there's a lot more technical things we can get into, but we're not going to get into all of that. What? I don't. I don't want to bore everybody. Too late. John. <laughs> Be nice. Be nice to your own brother. So this game uses uh, pre-rendered background images, partially because they, it would look better with how the characters were designed and interacted. Apparently the main character, Manny is composed of 250 polygons, which for the time was a relatively high number today. That's, you know, Kratos's pinky finger. Um, is that joke accurate? You know, I don't know. It sounds like it could be accurate. So I say let's go for it. At least his hand, probably. Okay. So a big thing this game brought to the table was instead of using, like, the giant interface, Manny's head would actually move and look at important things in the world, which is definitely kind of the forebringer of modern point-and-click games or modern adventure games in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So it released, and it did decently well its first holiday. It never quite did the sales numbers uh, they had hoped for, and people tend to blame it for being the reason LucasArts stopped making cool point-and-click adventure games, and it is definitely 
remembered as an all-time classic by a certain group of people. I know it's on Metacritic's top 100 games of all time list. Sometimes you gotta go, you gotta choose to go out in a blaze of glory. I mean, like, I get, like, why they hired him on, but, like, you also gotta know, they gotta know this isn't the most marketable concept. I think now you could actually market this and make it pretty well. I think, like, Day of the Dead has gone way more, like, like, traction. Probably, like, post, some. Post-Coco. Post-Coco. you could market this really well. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I would actually agree. I remember when Coco was first announced as a Pixar Day of the Dead movie, Disney had just bought Lucasfilm. I know. I, rem- I remember that too. I was like wondering, is this going to be like a Grim Fandango movie or something? Which actually, I almost would prefer this as a movie, but we'll get to that. And why didn't they have? Why didn't they have Manny cameo in Coco? Mm, like in the I, background? Maybe we have to look. <laughs> Hurry, someone, go through every second of the film at point one speed. <laughs> Good luck, people. Uh, and this kind of began what I would like to call the unfortunate career of Tim Schafer, where he seems to make a lot of games people like, but then he has to kickstart Psychonauts 2. And it make wasn't a, kickstart. It was like some other thing. You know what? I'm a crowdfunded campaign. Well, now he's got that Microsoft money. That's true. So he doesn't have to make Connect Sesame Street anymore. Yeah. That is a real game he made. It's called Once Upon a Monster. And he was, like, the lead programmer on it. I might remember him talking about it at E3. The Sesame Street game, or that he has the Microsoft E3, game? they did the game on... I'm pretty sure they did the Sesame Street game on the E3 stage. That's from when, like, Xbox was, like, full in on Connect at their conferences. That's true. Now they're full in on Game Pass, which is probably less grating. Um, That is the history of this game. It was released in 1998, and became very famous for kind of the last bastion of this genre to some extent. And at the same time, it was kind of hard to play up until about 2014 because it was kind of hard to run on basic baseline computers at the time. And then computers afterward had a hard time running it as well because it's some of the engine stuff. I own an original copy of this in the case. Now, I don't know if it's in like the slip case, like in like one about this size, not the full box. Now, I don't know where that is. I was going to say, why didn't we play that, John? To be frank with everyone, I think it's in an attic somewhere or like in a box somewhere. But I do own it. I probably got it around 2010, 20, like 2011, 2012. Yeah. yeah, so it was remastered in 2014 and people finally got to experience it. I don't really remember much of a resounding hurrah when that happened i think people were pretty pumped for it when it came out recalling i think it's i i think it's just like i just i mean one it's also been like released for free on a bunch of different things since then i think it's i think it probably did pretty well but it's also been like almost like eight years since they've re-released it true I do, I do remember excitement at the Microsoft conference when they showed it. Anyway, so I'm going to stop talking and let John cover the story, or Elizabeth, whoever wants to. Do you, want me? you can go ahead. Okay, well, I mean, the the basic story is, um, you're, you're yeah, following as uh, Manny Calavera. He is a travel agent for souls um, who have died and are now in the land of the dead. Uh, 
and I mean, we'll probably get into more specifics of it, but essentially as he keeps going, more and more like kind of shady stuff starts to happen. He meets this woman, Meche, 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 sorry. Uh, I'm horrible at pronunciation. Um, uh, pronunciation. <laughs> yes. Um, and essentially kind of this somewhat of a conspiracy sort of like, underground stuff kind of starts coming up through uh, uh, over the course of four years. So the game split into four different parts, year one, year two, year three, year four. And um, that's the basic story. Um, we can go into more specifics, but oh, what do you want to say, Elizabeth? Part of the whole travel agent thing is they're trying to get to what we essentially think is like heaven or the like the afterlife. And so like that's part of it is you know, they're trying to to make a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I need to say more about that, but, like, that's a big part of the game as well. Yeah. Yes, and I think this is a mix of several, you know, Mexican culture mythologies. So I probably should have done a little more research. I'm going to admit that, but... <laughs> we know it takes place on four sequential day of the deads let's put it that way yeah yeah okay so who wants to give their take first well i can go i think this is a very well-made game i think it's very good i think at times it can be uneven and its age shows in terms of some of its controls and how the game is set up. So let me say this. There's four years. The years are very, I'll say this, the years are distinct from each other. But part of that is because, you know, the first year, I would say, arguably has the most obtuse puzzles. Yes. I think I think it has some of the weirdest, like, ones to do. Like, even, like, stuff like the, you know, stuffing the foam in the canister and having it break the system you don't even really know why you're breaking the system at that point it feels like a little bit and then it's like it's so you can like sneak in and it makes sense but it i i I just felt the puzzle with the most obtuse there the second one is very non-linear like the second year is very much like you have like three things you can do and you can do them in any order so you're kind of like bombarded by like a ton of different stuff happening but at least you know what you're supposed to do yeah Three is super linear. Three is pretty short and linear, I would say overall. Like not in a bad way, but like it's hard. It's it's not as hard to get stuck because it's more obvious what you need to do because there's just let like the second year you're getting so many items. So you know three is that, and then four is way more story based. So like you know each year is distinct from each other, but it's kind of like all over the place sometimes in terms of like. Uh, evenness and it kind of depends on what you want if you want something that's more linear you're enjoying it you know the later half of the game is better if you want something that's more complex and kind of like oh how do i do this and like trying to figure out these obscure things like the first half is probably better i think i think my biggest issue with the game i know this is like a general summary of my thoughts of the game and we can get into more specifics later was that i felt like all of the world puzzles Puzzles that didn't involve items, or a lot of them, were really finicky. And, like, I didn't always know what to do. So, example one 
is in year one, the whole sign puzzle, like moving it around the forest area. I thought controls were a little weird. It was a little obtuse to get through. I think in world two, there was another one like that. I can't remember what it was from year two. Year three had the cutting the ship in half. Oh, yeah. And I was just confused about that. Four didn't have as much like that. Although the thing with the monster was a little weird at one point. But essentially, like, I felt like some of those, like, kind of showed, like, it wasn't, like, necessarily fun to play those parts. Like, figuring out the what items to use where and the puzzles, I think, was good. But, like, that stuff just didn't age super well. And then there was just times where it's, like, I couldn't figure something out because how the game like there was something that like did not look like I could click and then I clicked and that's my fault sometimes I like zone out and I'm like I should just be clicking everywhere that's the way of an adventure point and click adventure game but I don't know in the fourth world in the fourth area there was like a ladder and I couldn't tell it was a ladder so it didn't think to like click over there yeah okay someone else can share there so I'll say this though I thought it was very good okay so as somebody who has played a lot of Nancy Drew games. I would say I echo a lot of what John has said about the logic because Nancy Drew game logic is like pretty, pretty like understandable, pretty practical. Like, oh, the key goes in the door. Like you, you're, you see, you need like this piece and then you find that piece, you know, or like, you know, when you get an item that you don't know where it goes, like probably it goes somewhere you haven't found yet or like, it at least has, like, a logic to it. Some of this is like, okay, but where do I use the nitroglycerin? Because I could use this on, like, anything. Yeah, we finished it yesterday, and there was, like, in the final area of a little nitroglycerin left. And I was, like, clicking it like I could use it to solve this puzzle. And they're like, no. And, like, I kept being like, this could feasibly solve this issue. And, like, so I guess what I mean is, like, that actually makes – that might be something that's, like, in a Nancy Drew game. Like, that actually makes sense to me. But, like, I don't know. Like, sometimes, like, oh, you have to fill a balloon with, like, the solution and put it in the pipes, like, in the first area. It's just, like, kind of bizarre. Well, I think that's particularly bizarre because the only reason you even know that's a thing – and I'm almost convinced they added this later – is that the mechanic walks in and he's, like – People have been putting stuff in the pipes they shouldn't be putting in. And it's just kind of weird because it almost feels like maybe they originally didn't have that. And people were just like super confused on what to do because (laughs) nothing in that almost nothing in that game is as telegraphed as that. That you're like, oh, I'm supposed to put something in the pipes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, for a company whose whole thing, whole legacy is hard puzzles, it, that was a little out there or random. Mm-hmm. But I mean, LucasArts did, in fact, invent the modern point-and-click adventure game because they didn't have fail states. But I would say some of their puzzles are a lot more obtuse than even some harder King's Quest puzzles. Yeah, maybe not obtuse, just weirder solutions. Yeah, and I mean, I appreciate the creativity. Like, sometimes when it's, like, something super weird, it's like, well, actually, that's pretty clever, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. it took me, like, you know, a long time to figure that out, but it's clever. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would say the whole concept is a really creative concept. Um, The whole, you know, Day of the Dead and also just, like, I don't know. There's, like, tons of twists and turns. 
I feel like the, you know, this is maybe a little bit of a spoiler, but I feel like the first half story-wise, I was more invested because I wanted him to find Meche. And then the second half when they were together, I was like, okay, well, they're going to make it. So, like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that was just me personally. Now, but... wait, I just remembered really quick that two of the puzzles from the second one that were more, like, world puzzles that I thought were dumb. One, there was the puzzle of that there were two ticket booths. Because oh. you had to move to the other side of the room, which didn't, and like it, I don't even know the arrow popped up. It's like I don't. There's no reason for you to even like look over there or think there would be two people. And then like the cat hat thing, where he's like, oh, oh it's cat. We only give out the cat hats. And then in the photo, you're supposed to see that it's cat hats, but the photo is so blurry. I was like, I can't tell what that is. And when I finally figured it out, I was like, what? Okay. Yeah, I would I would echo that. I had an enjoyable time playing this. I do think compared to things like Monkey Island or Full Throttle, which they kept releasing for free during COVID, so I played through a few of them. This feels not like the weakest, but I feel like it is a little overhyped. Now, so I think... I, I could see that here. Let, continue your opinion. Now, I think I, I don't want I think part of it is maybe if there was this mythic status from it being kind of hard to play for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like how for years, just to use a Nintendo game as an example, Earthbound was kind of hard to find. And then it gets released. And I don't want to say you hear more dissenting opinions on it, but it definitely doesn't feel like that legendary classic. Shut your trap, Will. Earthbound is a legendary <laughs> classic. Easily one of the best Super Nintendo games. Easily one of the best RPGs. Don't don't bring the Earthbound lovers upon us, because I love Earthbound too. That's a that's a powerful group, Will. Fight, fight, fight. <laughs> They've been screaming into the void for 15 years for Mother 3. <laughs> They'll scream at us, too. I'm sure they'll know what I'm talking about. No, they don't. Stop. (laughs) So maybe it's my imagination. But it does feel like sometimes a game being hard to find brings it to a certain status because not as many people have played it. So, yeah. Here's what I'll say. I feel like overall, I mean, in the moment, I was frustrated with a lot of things. But, like, overall, like, I'm glad I played the game. Like, I feel accomplished that we finished the game. The story has a moderately satisfying ending. Like, I, you know, I wanted more mm-hmm. more info, but I'm, yeah. like, mostly satisfied. Yeah. So, I think, overall, you, it's, you're left with, like, a good feeling mm-hmm. about it. I think here's, here's part of the issue. One, I think, has the weirdest puzzles. In, like, year one has the weirdest puzzles in terms of everything. But it's still kind of linear. Like, it's still a relatively small area for you to explore in. It's like your office building. And then, like, the second, like, like maybe the last third or fourth of it's, like, the forest. Um, I think the biggest issue is that then you go to two. And two, let me say this, is the best designed area of the Mm. game. It's the most interesting area of the game. It's one of the best environments. Yeah, Casablanca vibes. It's super great. I think the problem is 
it's so it's gonna that's gonna probably be what takes you the bulk of the game because you're like you need like three things and like sometimes and it's like takes you all over you don't necessarily know what items go with what quest line you sometimes have to complete certain other quest lines to unlock certain other later parts and like whatnot some of it's based on dialogue that you can't have them repeat like the coat hanger lady you know she talks about her system and i guess there's a joke like are you paying attention and it's like no you're not but you can't get her to explain it again so you can necessarily remember every element of it and it's not like it i don't think there's a thing that like records your dialogue or whatnot which isn't like required but like it's such an open-ended area that's super cool to explore but the puzzles are just so like like it's almost like open-ended to a detriment if you're trying to just like enjoy and finish the game because sometimes you you're just like i have this item i just have no idea or like you you need this and you have to like explore every inch of the over of like the overworld to try to find it again yeah so i agree on the flip side i think two is the best year like you said and to me that's where i was having the most fun like three nautical diversions in anything kind of bore me it's like circus games or circus episodes of Uh, tv shows i mean i think pretty i mean someone will probably disagree with me i think three is probably the weakest year yeah well it's also over very quickly so right that's the thing it's it is the most linear now and i will say i did play this with a guide if i needed it so maybe Mm. it was like oh i'm stuck let me pop up the guide and see what to do but Two felt the most well-designed. Three yeah. specifically feels like Tim Schafer was listening to the complaints about his last game being too short and kind of just jammed another part of the game in there. Well, the weird thing to me about three is I get a mix between whether they were just like, oh, let's add this into have four years, or they were like, oh, I have this idea for a really cool third year, but I spent so much time and money on year <laughs> two that I don't have time to do year three complete justice. I mean, like... I don't think completely, but there may be a reason that, like, year four reuses some of the areas. Yeah, I wondered about that, because that, that, not in a bad way, but that definitely feels like this is going to be where most of the good memories from the game are. You know, we mm-hmm. need to reuse something. Yeah, I mean, but in fairness, like, this, like the first half of one is at, like, the Aztec Mayan temple. I'm sorry, I don't know which one it's supposed to be invoking. But, um... Are you talking about four? Yeah, year four. Okay. And then you go back to just a super similar part of two, of year two. And then year, the year one area, at least, is pretty markedly different. Yes. In a lot of different ways. But three, it's very, like, gray and rocky. And it does feel like they were kind of like, okay, we should put in a year three. Or, like, year three was their least priority. Because they basically just need somehow for, like, Macha and uh, Meche and Manny to like uh, travel together in year four. Yes. That's the purpose of that chapter. And to kind of reveal to the characters what's going on. Mm -hmm. So, so maybe that's it. Year two is just such a well-designed puzzle box. The rest of it's a little okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd almost rather they had spent because year two is probably like one of the best game environments in terms of, feel and aesthetic i've played mm-hmm. in any video game the transition what? from year one to year two 
where it zooms down and he's now like the owner of the establishment and like the muse. It's just, yeah, it's well done. Yes. I'd almost rather would have had the game take place. You'd have to change the story, but almost take place in like one. It could be one city over three years, but or like three or four years, but like almost just have like keep extending like that world out. Yes. Or maybe even taking time to expand out like the first city more in like the first year and just cut three. I don't know. No, I, I would agree. Oh, go ahead, Elizabeth. I'm thinking maybe it would have been nice if they'd had like another very distinctive vibe for an area. Like there was like, because that was such a distinctive vibe at Rubicava. Mm-hmm. Um, like maybe if they had tried another theme, it would have been fun. I will say, I feel like this game actually like was very funny. Mm-hmm. Like Manny was pretty Glottis. funny. Glottis, a lot of love for Glottis. A lot Very of Glottis funny. love. Um, Probably the funniest character in the game. Yeah. Yes, I would you agree. Know. Manny has a lot of dry wisecracks, and Glottis is just over the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is pretty funny. I'm dying because I can't drive. <laughs> Honestly, good choice for a sidekick. I feel like in a lot of games he would have become too annoying. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, part of it is he's a he is so over the top, but he is like a lovable way, right? And they never he never like comes in to cut the tension at the wrong moment. It was all very well written and timed, is my point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, for good for big chunks of the game, he's not there, so that helps. Well, yeah, it's it it's not like they had him mess stuff up for you. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's not like his role in the game was like you were doing fine, and then he like did something and it put us all back he like put you back like ah oh, now i have to do this whole other thing no it's like gladys is our ticket out gladys can make the boat into like this intense like speed boat gladys can like yeah <laughs> make the tram or whatever mm-hmm. the gondola better like i mean the big i guess the only issue the only time he did that and i'll say i was annoyed then is in year four when they're doing the rocket power gondola down the train track. And he's like, Manny, I'm scared. And like falls (laughs) off. Now it takes us back to Rubicabra. Yeah. Rubicabra. Yeah. Sorry. Again, pronunciation. Um, but, um, so like, it's not like horribly upset. Cause like, Oh, I get to get to explore this. And that's not that long of a detour. Like it's pretty easy what to do when you're back there. Like, the kind of the things you need to get done. But, you know, I do think that's the one time he, like, did something where I was just like, why did he do that? And if he had done that the whole game, it would have been bad. Yes, and I do love all the characters. Gladys does land into one of my biggest gripes of the game, and that's the ending. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that the ending is bad. It's... With his little Gladys children? <laughs> Not that part Gladys. of it. He did mighty Gladys. Not, not that part of the ending. Just how fast everything happens. Oh, yes. it, it happens super quickly. I was like, wait, where are they even going? We don't even know. That's I part feel, of the mystery. I feel like it's weird. It goes from like you, like is the last thing you do is you shoot the, 
I mean, I spo- people are no spoilers are going on right now. Is the last thing you do in the game you shoot the water tank with the gun on the balcony? Yeah, on the balcony. Wait, in the garden. In the garden, yes. Yeah, yeah. Which is so weird because you don't even like see him die. You just see like an explosion of flowers from within the garden. And Manny walks away dramatically, throwing his gun to the ground. Yeah, it almost. I mean, here's the thing. I'm sure at that point they were like, we just got to wrap this up. And, you know, your friend Lauren, right, was saying mm-hmm. it, it took inspiration from, like, Chinatown and Casablanca. It definitely did. Where part of it is I think it's not supposed to necessarily have the this super long emotional ending. There's, like, an emotional ending, but it's kind of that, and then it keeps going. Yes. I think the Gladys thing is what is like fine. I think that's what it, it needs to do. Like, oh, they're gonna miss each other. I right. think the thing with uh, Minnie and uh, Meche is that um, it is just like okay, like very stereotypical. I think. I mean, part of it is they may not wanted to get into like. I think they didn't want to show what the afterlife was because that'd be a whole other thing. Part of me wonders if there was any idea for like a sequel. Well, and their yeah, thought was, huh? Tim Schafer did say something about a sequel, and who knows if Monkey Island's a hit, they might do this. Yeah. So he had said we are toying around with the idea of a sequel, but it's hard because we either have to bring Manny back from his ultimate reward or make the story about somebody else. Mm. Mm. Okay, so I mean that's slightly. Di- I wondered if they would do something like somehow the corruption had spread to like the ultimate reward. Like, isn't that just the good place? Well, yeah. In fairness, but like, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I was, I was curious if that was any thought, like not showing that. So then, like, if they wanted to do a sequel, it could be going into that. I mean, like, I mean, right? They probably kept it i i think they maybe kept it like the ever so slightly have it wrap up quickly in case they wanted to do something else so it wasn't like total finality yeah you know but it does say something i felt more emotional from manny leaving gladys <laughs> than feeling like the emotional happiness of manny getting with meche yeah you know what maybe that's yeah. my issue is i feel like the fact that manny chases it after meche is probably the most that's like the proof of their relationship to me, I feel like, like that's the part where I felt like, oh, like this is like a good romantic storyline. When yeah. they were together, I don't think it was like necessarily like super compelling. Yeah, I don't think they had a ton of chemistry. It's yeah. some, but yeah, but it's kind of just like they're dealing with situations the whole time, and they don't really get like scenes. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, but that is in a way similar to movies like Chinatown and Casablanca, maybe not as much Casablanca where they're just kind of chasing the female character. And it's more about the bromance. Mm. Yeah. This, it it truly was a Gladys Manny show. (laughs) Continuing our conversation on the game. uh, Does anyone have a favorite puzzle that's stuck out to them? Ooh. I did like going back with the icy, the uh, the domino explosion under the car in year four. I thought that one was fun. If I'm thinking mm, of ones right away, was it fun? Oh, I was forgot. It a little disgusting. I forgot Gladys vomits to get the yeah. liquid in there. However, I still thought it was okay. I mean, Which, I, could we not just pick up the barrel, pour the barrel of wine 
and then freeze that? The answer is yes, we could have. It probably needed to be something more viscous so we could stand on it. Ooh. <laughs> um, favorite puzzles. I mean, I think the the labor rights bees in year two is pretty great. Oh, that's pretty yes. great. Um, the, yes, that was hilarious. I think that, um, what am I thinking of? This is a little weird, but the whole grinder thing. It, okay, Thanks. first off. You have this hand of this guy, and you, like it's a skeletal hand, and you keep trying to use it on things, and then they say that's disrespectful. But then finally, you end up grinding it up, and I'm like, is this not disrespectful? But anyways, I thought it was kind of cool that you could use that as like a method of finding like where the person had gone. Yeah. But it was just a little weird. So like, I don't know if it's clever or weird. I'm I'm on the fence. It's both, though. It is funny, because for about 20 times, I tried the hand on, like, different things, and they were like, that'd be disrespectful. That'd be disrespectful. You put the hand into the grinder. I'm sure he's happy it'll be used for the cause. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Da, 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 da. I liked the crocodile tail puzzle, because I got that. Oh, yeah, she did get the crocodile tail puzzle. When the, you have to get the crocodile to, like, turn around and then, like, put the suspender down, suspension down. Now, Will. Yes. What's your favorite puzzles of yours? Well, John mentioned the bees. That one was good. Once you got it, the cat box one was clever. Cat box. Which one? Or the cat bedding thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was, yeah, I was saying that I felt like the whole blackmail lawyer thing like trailing down finding her dad i think all that's like a really good kind of plotline. again two has really good stuff i think again some of the puzzles it's just some of the puzzles you're like what but oh the other environmental puzzle in year two this is the one i forgot the forklift i knew exactly what to do and it was ridiculous how many times it took me to get it to actually work and then it's dumb because it only works one way. So if you miss it, you have to go back up and then down. <laughs> Clearly, John has some pent up forklift rage between this and Shenmue. There was some frustration. I can concur. There now, was a lot. Can I say one of, I think, the dumbest puzzles? Yes. Well, okay. One thing, let me say this. I like to some extent how the scythe was used and that there's this continual use of your scythe. I personally thought the last thing you should have done in the game was use the scythe against Hector. Yes. I think Poetic that justice. I think that would have been really good that the final item you use in the game is like the item you've had with you all along. They didn't do that. Not a big problem. But the <laughs> and it's like the dumbest use of the use of the scythe too is breaking into the safe safe in year three. Like, breaking into, like, the vault that Meche is locked in. Because first you have to hit, you have to break the hinge. Not, like, the door. Because I thought, oh, break the door. It's like, no, I don't think I can break that door. And it's like, you have to do it right to the side. And then you get this weird, like, turning locks puzzle. That it doesn't give you any indication how to solve. 
I figure out, oh, I have to make, like, let me try doing it on the gap on the side. And they're like, oh, man, I thought I did it. It reset. I guess that wasn't right or, like, something like that. And it's like, I don't get the logic. Like, maybe I don't get how door locks work. But to stick your scythe in that, in, like, this crevice, you already, like, lock, jerry-rig locksmith it to do. And that opens the door. It's just very confusing to me. Any yeah. locksmiths out there, we would love your input. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bernice, can you call the locksmith for me, please, so we can interview him next week? But, like, that puzzle, I was just kind of like, what? Like, even, like, when you get in there, I think, like, actually that axe puzzle is pretty interesting. Yes. But, like, it's because you, like, there's still, like, a whole area you can explore. Sorry. I think I just hit the mic. Um... I don't know. It just, like, felt like it's already, like, a puzzle trying to get that to work. And then so you have to get it very specific and then put your scythe into it. And I guess the indication that you're on the right track is he has different dialogue. Yeah. But it's not like, well, maybe it's not like he, like, says it and it's like, I wonder if I can hold it still. Or maybe he does and I missed it, but I don't think he does. Well, you said change in dialogue. This is a little off topic, but it reminded me of when you're looking in year four, you're looking into that like cave with the monsters and he goes, I wouldn't be able to find out where he he is going unless I had maybe something really helpful. (laughs) It's just like no indication what it is. Something really helpful. I thought that was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. Because sometimes they do give some indication. Like they're like, here's like a hint. Not 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 then. All right. All right. I think we've uh, exhausted our discussion about this game. The fans might think we should have talked more about, I don't know, groundbreaking CGI or something. But CGI was pretty good. Yes. I would agree. So how would we rank this game on both a scale from one to ten and as a point and click adventure game? I let me say this. I think as a point and clean adventure game, it's pretty high up there. I think in terms of production values, especially, I think some of the puzzles are dumb and it frustrates me. So I'm going <laughs> to or like I think it's finicky. But again, that's of its time. I think the remaster could have potentially tried to fix some of those issues and like made things a little easier. You know, they they didn't choose to do that. Now, it's like I'm looking at it from like today's standards and a 1997 standard, and I think for that I'm gonna probably give it like a nine point two in terms of a mm. in terms of I think well okay I think in terms of print and click adventure it's like a nine point five I think it's very good I think it does things really well I think in terms of my own personal enjoyment it's like an eight point seven or an eight point eight or something. Can I just say these are oddly specific numbers. <laughs> yeah. I, he thinks about this too much. <laughs> Go ahead, Elizabeth. Oh, now I'm gonna feel bad. You can rate it lower. Cause I'd probably give it like an eight and a half. But maybe that's just as a point I and love... click game or as a game in general. I don't know what to read it as a point-and-click game. I mean, I haven't played that many besides Nancy Drew. The problem is I love Nancy Drew too much. You like that Nancy. is the problem that is occurring to that's me now. The, that's the problem that's going to plug this podcast. <laughs> it's no Nan. Is, where is it it's on the Nancy scale? The Nancy scale? The Nancy scale. What do you mean? I don't know. It's in the middle. Okay. 
<laughs> okay, okay. I, eight and a half. I don't know. Maybe it's a nine. I don't know. Now I feel bad. You can give it an eight and a half. That's fine. That's still a really good score. Yes, it is. Okay. Here, I'll land in the middle, and I'm going to say a nine. I think the story is really engaging. I think for the most part, the puzzles work. I think the design's really good. I like the characters. But yeah, there's just a few hiccups that feel like, I know it's an older game, so we shouldn't judge it by that logic, but yeah. Part of the reason for my score, I know I was very critical of it, but I'm giving it a 9.5 as an adventure game because I do recognize it is very good as an adventure game, even though I had issues with some of the puzzles. And I'm I'm willing to kind of overlook the the somewhat archaic controls of being of their time. The reason I'm giving it a 9.5 is I don't think I'm going to get a... I'm going to play another adventure game, and I haven't so far, that is as aesthetically pleasing or aesthetically in-depth, I would say, that I don't think in terms of, like, the world and anything, I'm, I don't think I'm going to play something to that degree. Now, this is being edited after the fact because I forgot to mention that, and I was criticized by both Will and Elizabeth for my critique of this game, the whole podcast, and then me giving it a near-perfect score in the point-and-click adventure category. I'm just a critical guy, so this is edited after the fact. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Why are you getting up to leave? There it is. Okay. We don't we don't want everyone to have the same opinion, Elizabeth. Okay. That's true. But we want some very Okay, if if people are complaining like we rated it too low, we give it a collective nine. Like in terms of a point and click adventure game, which is very high. I mean like if you're going grade school, that's supposed to be like what, the ten percentile or something? Please know John was a straight A student, so he doesn't know what a B is. Not really. <laughs> I mean, now I do, but aye, aye, not aye. in high school. Okay. Settle down. <laughs> okay. No, I think everyone gave good scores, but we're very excited for next week. Along with the complete humongous entertainment, we're doing a series called Elizabeth and the Nancy Dudes. <laughs> Please no. Get hyped. Please no. We don't know which one we're doing. But we are we'll know just in case you didn't pick up on that. We're doing an Nancy Drew game. We are currently deciding. I think we've narrowed it down to like three. So that wraps it up. I'm Will. I'm John. We will see you next time.